0: Hi, and welcome to the Christian Fundamentals Foundations course. As we journey through these lessons together, my hope is that your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ will find meaningful expression and lead you on to maturity and fruitfulness in your walk with Him. I trust that this lesson will guide and encourage your heart. Thank you, Pastor Michael. God bless bless all of us tonight. Uh, it is a great privilege to see you uh, and share the word of God with you. God bless you all. We are speaking tonight about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think that most all of you, you have the notes with you. I'm, I, I have uh, six screens. I'm using my cell phone. I'm not using the laptop. So I see Mark. I see Anne-Marie. I like that name because it's a French name. Uh, I see Petronella and Trish and crystal, only, uh, and Pastor Michael, six screens that I'm able to see. So I don't know if we are more than six, but anyway, if, if I can't see you, we are still together. And I believe that what we are going to share is going to bless you. If you go in your note, we are speaking first of all, before we begin about the purpose of this lesson tonight. Why are we having this lesson? And upon completion of this lesson, each student should have a clear understanding of what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, as well as how to receive and flow in this wonderful gift. So, First of all, what we are going to focus to give the understanding, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because there are many interpretations outside there, but we need to know According to the scriptures, what the Bible speaks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and what the Bible speaks about how to receive it. How to receive it, when to receive it, and how to flow because it is a gift from God. How can we operate with that gift? What can we do with that gift? Because when they present to you the gift, it is your responsibility to receive the gift. So the the giver will not impose you to receive it. You need to open your hand and your your heart to welcome the gift. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the gift from God. So, so at the introduction, I want you to know all is a gift. As a gift, it is your responsibility to receive it. And uh, point two: who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? When you you meet Jehovah's Witness, they will convince you that the Holy Spirit is the power of God. They will tell you the Holy Spirit is power. There are also many religions who call themselves Christian, but they present the Holy Spirit as the power. And also many Christians also in the church, that they, they, they see the Holy Spirit just as the power of God. But it's not what the Bible teaches us about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. If you don't see him as a person, you cannot receive from him. And you cannot enjoy all the benefit that is bringing in our life. The Holy Spirit is, is the third person of Trinity. The Holy Spirit is His name. The third person of Trinity is God, is equal to Jesus, equal to God the Father. We have only one God, but in that one God, there are three dimensions, three persons in one. We don't have three gods, but one God. And the same God as the dimension of the Holy Spirit, the same God as the dimension of the Father and the Son. For example, me, you call me Pastor Frank. I am married to Italia Cambinda. I am the father to my children, and I'm the pastor in my church. When I stand in front of my people at the church, they see me as the pastor. They don't see me as the biological father. I am the pastor. But I'm still the same person with the same body, the same face, the same height, the same weight. But front of them, I act with another personality. I stand there as the pastor. When I stand in front of my wife, I don't stand as the pastor. I stand as a husband. And when I stand in front of my children, I don't stand as a husband. I stand in front of them as the father. I'm still one person, but there are three persons in me. But it's the same thing with God. One God, but when he comes to create, he comes as the creator, Elohim, is the father. When he comes to save, he comes as Jesus. When he comes to manifest his power and glory, he comes as the Holy Spirit. I think we, we are we together? If you are getting, you give me a sign. All right. So what, what I want you to understand. Now let's take some scriptures that speaks about the Holy Spirit as a person. Book of Matthew 28, verse 19, from New Living Translation. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They are putting the Holy Spirit in the same rank with the Father and the Son. And 2 Corinthians chapter 18 verse 14 says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You see they are bringing them in the same rank. So This is one of the most important and fundamental aspects that we need to understand when discussing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need to understand when you understand the Holy Spirit as a person, that person is the one who is coming to empower you. If you misunderstand that it's not a person, you cannot understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it is a gift coming from who? Coming from the Holy Spirit because he is a person, he's able to give you that gift. You understand what I'm saying? So if you miss it, it's difficult to understand. The experience is relational, not a cold formula or impersonal ritual. The experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes from the relation. It's something relational with the Holy Spirit. It is not a formula that one plus one equals two. It is not a formula. It comes from that connection to prove you that he is a person, is the person of God himself. So let's see some attributes of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. They call him a comforter. John chapter 14 verse 16 speaks about the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. You can read the Scriptures yourself at your personal time of meditation. We call him the Spirit of the truth in the book of John 14 17. And uh, he's called also our helper, advocate. Strengthener, stand by in the book of John, fourteen, twenty-six. So the book of John is fourteen is much speaking about the person of the Holy Spirit. So when you see, you cannot call a power or something you call something comforter. You can only call a person a comforter. You cannot call something a helper. You can only call a person helper. So those attributes of the Holy Spirit prove clearly. That is a, a person. is a person. And uh, the Greek word parakletos means one who comes alongside to head and counsel. This is what he does. And Romans 8, 26 calls him as an intercessor. The power cannot intercede. If the Holy Spirit is the power of God, the power cannot intercede. Only a human being, only a person can intercede. If the Holy Spirit can, to intercept me is to pray on the behalf of someone else. He prays on our behalf. He helps us to know how to pray. He's guiding us in the moments of prayer. He prays through us, using our mouth, praying. And that proves that he's a person. He's a person. He's not something. He's the person. And we need to see it. You cannot develop a strong relationship with him. Until you believe and you understand that he's a person living with me, he walks with me, he talks with me, he guides me, he protects me. I don't know how to pray, he's the one praying through me. The powerful prayers that can give results in the lives of people are the prayers inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says that must pray in the Spirit. To pray in the Spirit, does not necessarily say that pray in tongues. To pray in the Spirit, have two levels. You can pray in tongues, you are praying in the Spirit. Another dimension of praying in the Spirit is praying the prayer that the Holy Spirit is putting in your heart. These are the powerful prayers. Praying in the Spirit is like that. You can pray in English, but you are praying in the Spirit because it is not your own mind, it is not your flesh, it is not something that the Holy Spirit is inspiring you the right request to present to God. And when you pray by the Spirit, you see the result. Most of our prayers are led by the flesh. We pray according to our emotion. We pray wrongly. We don't know how to ask to Father. We don't know how to present the request. But when the Holy Spirit takes over, He's the one praying through us. And when it is the Holy Spirit praying, you cannot fail. And God cannot reject the prayer made by the Holy Spirit. That's why you need to open up to him and embrace him, see him as your helper, your comforter, your guide, the one who is instructing you, showing you the right way. He knows the mind of God that you don't know. He knows how God operates. And if he takes over, everything's going to be well. So it is about a relationship, intimacy with him. It's very important to understand that. So now let's go to point number three. What is the baptism of, in the Holy Spirit? What is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? The baptism in the Holy Spirit is one of the four parts of salvation experience. It follows on from repentance, from dead works, faith towards God and baptism in water. So when, when we look at the, 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 the fourth part of your complete salvation to be fully, because your salvation is like a package. There is a package in salvation. It's not just that you receive Jesus and they say, I receive him, I'm born again, now finished. No, there is a package in what we call salvation. We see the repentance from dead works. You are turning back completely from the old life. You are re- renouncing to the old man. And there is faith towards God. From that time, you you open up, you you grow in the dimension that you begin to trust and to rely on God. The moment you begin to operate in faith, you you... It is another level in your salvation. You are no longer controlled by the world or the devil, but your mind, your trust is in the Lord. It is a deliverance. It is a salvation. And another dimension is when they put you in the water. It is the confirmation of your salvation. What took place inside, you demonstrate it outside. That inside, there is a new life that came in me. I'm not the same person. The old person is dead. Now I am a new person. How to make it visible is by going in the water baptism. They put you in the water. You die and you resurrect. Now you receive what Jesus has done for you on the cross. He died for you before even you were born. When you were still a sinner, God offered Jesus to die for us. You access all those benefits when publicly you accept to go in the water to die and to resurrect. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is also one of the elements that is coming inside to reinforce all the benefits of salvation, to put you in the position to live fully as a Christian. And you can enjoy all the benefits of redemption, of justification, of righteousness in Christ. But if you lack one of the elements, it's like a car trying to drive with three wheels. It will not drive well. You need balance, the four wheels for you to go in. So there are Christians who are against the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They are like trying to drive with three wheels. You will not go far. You need all that God has put in the package of salvation for you to enjoy completely the salvation that God has given you through Jesus. So now uh, it it, it enables you, that baptism enables us It enables saved believers to experience the full power of their salvation, You understand? The power that saved you, now yourself, you can experience it and understand it. You begin to operate in the same power. The baptism, it will help you to experience that. So the previous lesson that you received on the baptism, speaks that the baptism is literal dipping in or submerging in into something. They put you, you go, they submerge you completely. You go inside. The baptism is not washing your head. That's other churches, they, they call you, they put some water on your head. No, you, you must be digging. They put you inside, put you inside. This dying, no, you cannot die that you, you, they call you a dead person only only your head is dead. All the members of your body are still alive. Only your hands are dead. No, you, you, if you, you they bury you, they bury you completely. So the baptism is the signification. Dying with Jesus, resurrecting with him. So If they only wash your head, you did not die. So they just wash your head. The entire body needs to be buried. So now, it's the same way when we speak about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's like they are putting you inside of the Holy Spirit now. You are inside. This is what is happening. So, uh, various terms are used to describe this experience. Number one, Acts 2 17 says, I will pull out of my spirit. He's pouring the spirit, like the rain coming on, on people. Act 8 16 says, As yet he had fallen upon none of them. He's speaking about the spirit falling falling on people act 1044 says the holy spirit fell upon those who had It came upon them you see it's always something on on it's coming on people act 1045 the gift of the spirit had been poured out act 11:15, the holy spirit fell upon them Acts. 19 verse 6, the Holy Spirit came on them. So when you see this image, those terms used in the book of Acts to to show how the baptism of the Holy Spirit took place, you can see the image of a blanket. This baptism is like a blanket coming on you something in you. there is a covering coming on you you are overwhelmed the power of god comes on you like a blanket god is releasing it on you it's like water they take the water and they put your entire body is falling on you so the power comes like that power comes like a blanket they call it the baptism this person is is infused in the water the fire of the holy spirit so We call it the baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you experience it really, you you, you will feel that. You will feel that, that something is taking control over you. It is like a blanket coming on you and and you are controlled. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, therefore, is the experience where a believer is enveloped, immersed and covered in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. this experience that you are completely immersed in the power in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You are covered by that. It is a beautiful experience. If you never experience that, you must say, desire it because the Holy Spirit wants to give you that. It is a gift. You don't buy a gift, the gift is for free. You are just you put you just put make yourself available to receive the gift. That that power comes on you and your life will change. They call it a free gift. It's a good gift. Let's read in the book of Luke, chapter 11, verse 11 to 13. If a son asks for for bread from any father among you, who will he give him a stone? Question. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? or if he asks for an head, will he offer him a scorpion if you then being evil know how to give good things to your children how much more will your heavenly father give the holy spirit to those who ask him you understand god is willing to give the holy spirit the baptism the gift to anyone who asks him if us evil people we can give to our children what they ask. What about God? God is a lovely father. He himself is love. We operate with love. I have love. You have love. But God does not have love. This is the difference between us and God. For us, love is something that we possess. I have love. But God does not have love. God is love. Because I have love, I can lose it. But God cannot lose love because love is Him. He is love. You see his dimension. So if God who is love, we who are just possessing love, we can give good things. What about God who himself is already love? He cannot resist to give you good things. And the baptism, the power of the Holy Spirit is a good thing that every believer needs to possess. Very, very good thing. Definition of, of good thing to be, it means something to be desired or approved of. While all believers have received a measure of the Holy Spirit as the seal of their salvation, there is a further experience that we to desire and approve of. As with any gift, it can't be earned. You decide whether you receive it. It is your own decision. It's the gift coming from God, and God is willing to give you that after you are already born again, after you are walking by faith, after you are, you are separated from the dead works. God says, I still have more. The Holy Spirit is already in you, but he can immerse you in his power. It's up to you to say, Father, I need it. I need that power. But sometimes it's difficult to ask if you don't understand the benefits of that. That's why we are teaching about this. Because when you understand the benefit, you understand what it can bring in your life. Then the desire can grow in your heart, and I need it. When you are ignorant, you cannot like something. The difference between the indwelling and infilling of the Holy Spirit. These are two important words to understand when you study the Holy Spirit. Indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the infilling. the Holy Spirit. It's important to understand that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the infilling of the Holy Spirit are two separate events and experiences. Although they may take place at the same time, scriptures distinctly refers to them as separate experiences. They are not the same. The inward work of indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit refers to the life of god that dwells within us that brings about life and salvation when we are born again so when we say the indwelling you see the the word dwell dwelling dwelling is the habitation the moment to receive jesus as your lord and your savior the holy spirit comes to dwell inside of you as a person that is your your life your spirit becomes his habitation you are born again in your spirit not your body not your soul when you receive jesus as your lord and your savior the only part of you that changed is your spirit your spirit was dead and the spirit becomes alive how because the holy spirit comes and dwell inside your spirit but your soul is the seat of your character is the seat of your emotion your mind your thought Your thought will not change the same day you receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Your character will not change the same day. It will not change. Your spirit changes the same day instantly, but your character will still need a work on it. The Bible says that be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You understand? The renewing of the mind comes through the reception of the word of God. The more you receive the word, the word is the light that comes in your life. You challenge yourself with the word and you align. The moment you begin to align with the word of God, you discipline yourself. Your soul is getting delivered. The deliverance of the soul is a process. It does not happen overnight. By the word of God, by the washing of the word, you may be an angry person. You receive Jesus now. It's not change that you change quickly. But the more you begin to learn the word of God, the word of God will give you clarity. You understand how to change my character, how to become man of integrity. How can I live in forgiveness? How can I live in love? You need to be taught about this kind of stuff. But the spirit comes to dwell in your spirit. The Holy Spirit comes there. Now, when it sits in your spirit, it starts working. The work that He does is to help you to live that new life. And they begin to speak to you to inspire you the things that you will dictate your soul to change and to go to the direction. So the work that is doing is like just someone, like a new mentor in your life, is mentoring you in this new life, helping you, helping you. But the infilling is something else. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is what empowers the believer to be effective witness of the Lord in feeling and baptism in the Holy Spirit refers to the same experience. The ministry of Philip and the Apostle to the Samaritan is a good example of these separate experiences. Let's turn in the book of Acts 12, 17. Act 8 from 12 to verse 17. The Bible says, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, both men and women were baptized. And Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet had, he, had, he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So we see the church in Samaria when Philip went to preach Jesus Christ. He preached the word of God, and people opened themselves. They received Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. They saw the power of God moving through Philip, and and, and they, they, they get born again. They were also baptized in water, but it was not finished. So that time, as new people born again, the Holy Spirit is living inside of them in the spirit, and they are also baptized in water, but they were missing something. They were missing something. They saw the power of God working through Philip. But themselves, they were not able to demonstrate the same power. The power of God came and brought them in salvation. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes with the purpose to help you yourself to experience the same power, to see it in your life. And the the, the, the apostle knew that it is not good to leave them in that dimension. It is much important to go down and pray for them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, to receive the power of God on them that will allow them to explode in the spiritual and begin to live as the true citizens of the kingdom of God. So some other scriptures that gives example of what happened. Jesus breathed on the disciple to receive the Holy Spirit in John 20, verse 22. Just promised them that they, when the power of the Spirit will come upon them. It's in Acts 1, 8. In Acts 2, 1 4 The disciple received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. In the book of Acts 9, chapter verse 3 to 9, Paul met the Lord on the road of Damascus. He was baptized in the spirit three days after Act 9:17 in the city of Ephesians. The, the Ephesians believed and were baptized in water, Act 19:5. And Acts 19:6, the Holy Spirit came on them after the baptism of water. So we see that these two experiences are different; they are not the same. So the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is the seal of their salvation. This is a seal of salvation that this person is no longer dead spiritually; is alive. Is alive. What proof that he is alive? Because the spirit of life lives in him. He was dead in his spirit. Now he is alive. Because the Holy Spirit is living within him. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 to 14. In him also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased uh, possession to the praise of His glory? So, the purpose of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit is to bring about a transformation in the life of a believer and guide them in all the truth. Like, like I said before, when He it comes, He's helping you to live that new life, it's Guiding you, is inspiring you. It's like mentoring you in that new life, that you are no longer the same, but you cannot change by your own strength. Is the one living in you, helping you. That's why it's difficult to expect someone without the Holy Spirit to change. It is difficult. The good way to bring change in the people of life is to pray for their salvation. When they receive Christ and the Holy Spirit comes inside of them, he will do what no professional can do, what no physician can do you you can find no i'm going to see that guy is helping me uh, counselors all this stuff is good but the holy spirit is the true counselor if it does not advise you it does not guide you you cannot change men cannot help you to change only your creator can help you to change and the holy spirit is your creator the purpose of the indwelling like i said let us read uh, john 16 13 however when the spirit of the truth has come he will guide you in all the truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever is he hears he will speak and he will tell you things to come the evidence of the indwelling presence of the holy spirit in the life of a believer is the fruit of the spirit the fruit of the spirit that are Are described in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such, there is no law against such. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. So you see that the evidence of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. You see you see the, the manifestation of that. It's showing you that, that this person is not alone. Is a new person. The Holy Spirit lives within him. And the Holy Spirit is God himself. He's God himself. There's no difference between that. He's God. And remember, I told you God is love. If you read, you read, you read the fruit of the spirit, uh, Galatians 5.22. I know that you are English people. I'm a French people. I'm, I'm, I'm not English. But if you read, they say the fruit of the spirit is, is, not are. I know that your grammar is better than mine. But you see, they, they don't say the fruit or the spirit are. Now they say the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then they say joy, peace, long-suffering. It looks like a controversy. How are you naming peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, all this stuff? But you say the fruit. You should say the fruit of the Spirit are joy, peace. But they don't say that. The fruit of the Spirit is love, long, joy, peace. So it shows that the fruit of the Spirit is one. love. In love you find joy, you find peace, you find long-suffering, you find kindness, you find goodness, you find faithfulness. Without love you cannot express peace. Without love you cannot express long-suffering. Without, It's like an orange And, and all those are the pieces in that orange. One orange but all are together. So love is God himself. The fruit of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit himself. Is God himself dwelling in you. And when God comes in you, he does not come in part. He comes in fullness. He comes in his fullness. The entire Holy Spirit is living within you. Then in his fullness, you find all those dimensions, aspect, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness. That's why they don't put the the fruit of the Spirit. Ah, The fruit is is only love. All those are the, 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 the parts, the components of love. You cannot find them outside of love. They are the path in love. The fruit of the Spirit refers to the fruit of recreated human spirit that has been transformed by the power and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to bring about holiness and sanctification in the life of the believer. When the Spirit of the Lord comes on you, they call him Holy Spirit. He's the one who can help you to live in holiness. Is the one who can leave you, help you to live the sanctification life because he is holy. He comes with his holiness within you and he makes you holy in order for you to start living holy. You cannot start living holy unless the Holy Spirit is within you. you may, You may try. You may push yourself. It will not work because the source of holiness must be within you in order for you to express holiness. The source of sanctification must be within you in order for you to live the life of sanctification. So the difference between Christian and other religions, they don't have the source of holiness. They don't have the source of sanctification. So everything they do is based on principles and rituals. So they can respect their rituals and principles, but their lives are not completely changed. They just obey certain rules and regulations according to their religion. But we are not people who are led by rules and regulations. We are led by communion with the Holy Spirit. No one is forcing you, but his presence in you is helping you to live the life of holiness. So this is is the beauty of being a Christian and the beauty of being in Christ. And uh, now let's talk about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The infilling. Holy Spirit. The, the purpose of the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for power to effective, effectively demonstrate Christ's compassion, victory, and authority. I like the way it's put here. Is is to help us to, 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 to demonstrate the compassion of Christ, the love of Christ, the victory, and the authority when that baptism comes on you. It unlocks. You see, even the fruit of the Spirit within you, it's like, it's like a package, like they give you a new cell phone, they give you a new SIM, but they say that your SIM is not yet activated. You have the cell phone with you, you have the SIM, but you can't make calls, you, you, you can't communicate until the SIM is activated. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is coming to activate. The things, the benefit, the, the fruit of the Spirit in us. You receive the power to demonstrate that. It comes to activate. It, it, it helps you to walk in victory and authority. Book, book of Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Bible says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. In Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This Jesus Himself speaking, he said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you. It's giving a clear difference here that the Holy Spirit is not the power. He said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit, the person of the Spirit, comes on you. You understand. He is the one who comes with the power, but he's not the power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you shall receive power. This is the baptism. He comes with his fullness on you to empower you. So the, the, these are different things that we need to understand. He said that you shall receive power. And in the book of First Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 4 to 5, Paul speaking. Say, and my speech and my preaching were, were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and the power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So you see, uh, this thing is very important. Very, very important. I want you to understand clearly this part. The Holy Spirit comes on you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, coming to give you power. To empower you. If you go back, you look on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says that they were together in the upper room, and the spirit of the Lord came upon them like a mighty wind. Upon every each one of them, there was a tongue of fire. They received the power of God. When they went, the moment the power came on them. They could not stay again in the upper room. They went out. Before the power comes, they could not go out. But when the power came, they received that boldness to stand up and go out. Nothing could stop them because they they were electrified. When they went out, people began to to see them and they said that these people are drunk. And Peter said they are not drunk. This is the, the fulfillment of God said to Joel that in, in the book of Joel that in the last day I will pour out my spirit upon every flesh. This is the accomplishment of that. But when they look at them, in the natural, they saw them like drunk people. You know, someone who is drunk is controlled. Is controlled. A drunk person cannot be afraid. You can see when someone is drunk. He can be even walk in the dark, walk uh, in a dangerous place. He's still walking because he's under the influence of alcohol. He's, he's not afraid. Nothing can retain him. A, a person also is filled with the Holy Spirit. He's like that. There's no fear. When we say, let's go out and evangelize, you will go. Let, let's pray. You don't keep quiet. You will feel that power pushing you. Open your mouth. Pray. You pray. You have boldness. And Jesus knew that. He knew that the disciples were with him for three years. Three years. They, we can say that in three years, we can qualify them like people owning degrees in uh, theology. Because they were with him every, only studying, only studying, only studying. But he told them, this knowledge, information that you have is not enough. You will not be bold enough to go out there and speak about it. Wait in Jerusalem until you shall receive power because without the power it becomes difficult for you to open your mouth to share your testimony with someone else you may have the willingness but there's too much fear you are retaining yourself you need something to work on you to control you to remove that fear that's why the baptism is very important because we are saved to become saviors to other people how can we bring other people in the kingdom of god if We cannot speak to them. So the baptism is coming to remove that fear. It's coming to to give you the power. And also, another thing that we need to know that is important for us to receive the power of God, because God has given us the name of Jesus, to pray in the name of Jesus, to demonstrate authority, to bind and to lose, to do everything in the name of Jesus. But what I understood, it does not take only faith. For us to see the name of Jesus working powerfully in our lives. Beside our faith, we need the power of God on us. Someone who carries the power, when he say in the name of Jesus, that the, the, the power on him is going with that name, you see the event. That's why they say that when you receive the baptism, what brought you to Christ, you can begin to experience that yourself. When Philip went in Samaria, he was performing miracles in the name of Jesus because he was carrying the power of God. God wants you to be able to lay hands on your children, yourself. They are sick. You pray, they are healed. He wants you to, to, to pray for your friend. He wants you to speak, to testify around you at your workplace, at the university. He wants you to be able to shine, to bring people to him. But you cannot do that without the power. You need to be in with the Holy Spirit. Immersed with his power. And when that happens in your life, you are transformed to another person. You become like a drunk person. Nothing can intimidate you, nothing can control you. And you see, when someone is drunk, he starts talking. He does not know what he's talking. It's like the influence of the alcohol is putting word in his mouth. The same way that someone is baptizing the Holy Spirit, he receives word in prayer, in, in, in communication. So it's very important for us. That's why I want you you to understand the value of that and and love it and ask God. If you've never been baptized, ask God because it is a gift from God and God is able to give you that. And uh, it is to equip and enable us to fulfill great commission. One of the reasons of the baptism, we cannot, like I said now, we cannot fulfill the great commission. We cannot testify. Jesus said in the book of Mark 16, verse 15 to 18, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and baptize will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak new tongues with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and they will dream anything deadly. It will by no means hate them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You see all this stuff, they are not only for the pastors. He said, those who believe. These are the signs that will follow those who believe, not only the apostles, everyone who believes, You are a believer. These signs must follow you, must follow you. You need to to see all this stuff. You must be able to cast out demons. You must be able to speak in new tongues. You must be able, you can even take up serpent working against the powers of darkness. You can overcome attacks from outside because you are covered with the power of God. And uh, there's a spiritual principle here. We can't function on the level that God expects us to function in the world without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's powerful. It is impossible to function in the level where God expects us to function here on the earth without being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It is impossible. Impossible. You know the Bible speaks in the book of uh, Revelation, I think So Revelation chapter 5, I think verse 9 and verse 10. The Bible says that Jesus Christ has saved the people from different nations, different colors, different tribes. And different tongues, he has made them number one priests and kings unto the Lord. He served us for two reasons. He gave us salvation by making us priests, which means that he gave us the capacity, the ability to become worshippers and intercessors. Every believer must be a worshiper and intercessor. You are a priest, you have a priestly dimension in you, but there is also the kingly dimension. You are not, not only a priest, you are also a king. When we speak about the king, the greatest characteristic of a king is the ability to set decrees. A true king must be able. I'm an African guy. In Africa, we have kings in our villages. We have people, they call them the chief. And what makes the chief different from other people, the words of the chief are laws. You can't argue with them, you cannot change them. If the chief said that in this village no one will eat chicken, it is a law. And God has made us kings to say that you must reach the ability when you declare something by faith in your prayer. It is it will stand. But you cannot operate in the kingly dimension until you receive the power of God on you. You may remain all your life in the priestly dimension. You worship. You can intercede, but. You cannot rule. The Bible says that God created men and women, and He gave them dominion over the earth. You cannot exercise dominion without power. It is impossible. You dominate by power. You need to have something, the covering the fire on you. and then you walk as a true believer. You resist the temptation. You resist the manipulation of the enemy and you shine wherever you go. When you pray, your prayers are producing evidence because you pray with the power of God on you. The evidence manifestation of the infilling of the Holy Spirit is the gift of the Spirit. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 to 11. There are diversity of gift but the same Spirit, they are different of ministries, but the same Lord, and they are diversity of activity, but the same God who works in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gift of healing by the same spirit, to another the waking of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kind of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So we see that the, 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 the one of the evidence of the spirit is when you begin to operate in the gift. There are many gifts. You may not operate in all the gifts, but one gift can already start working in you. You may be able, maybe you, your gift that is a, a, a manifesting it is the gift of prophecy. Someone else maybe the gift of healing. Someone else, the gift of interpretation. So they, they are gifts. When you you receive the baptism, like I say, it's a, it's the activator. The gifts are activated in you. The moment the Spirit of God came in you at the beginning, it came in fullness with all the gift inside of you. But those gifts are are not in manifestation until you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then it activates the operation of the gift. Otherwise, you will be a Christian with all the potential inside without manifestation. What caused the manifestation is that fire that comes on you. It activates what is inside. And through the scripture, the initial evidence that one has received the infilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in other tongues. So the next lesson, Pastor Michael will cover about this. The initial evidence, the, the, the most common sign to everybody to know that I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the speaking in tongues. But it's not that not, can, it's the only one, no. There may be other signs, but this one is the most common sign that we see. Most of the people who are who are baptizing the Holy Spirit speaking tongues is the most common sign for all of us. And uh Pastor Michael will touch that next time. So it is important to understand that first and foremost, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is above all else, a relational encounter. You have to understand that it's from the place of intimacy you desire. Do you have a Relation with God, God, the Holy Spirit cannot withhold that gift from you. He can release it easily on you. We need to embrace the word of the baptizer Jesus Christ when he refers to the Holy Spirit as the good gift and our helper, and come to the place where we acknowledge that we are unable to live the Christian life the way God intended without this experience. Until we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the power of our salvation will never be released in our life. Is what I already commented before about all this. So this is the end of the lesson. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.